Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Now, I don't know if you guys are like me, but if you watch any sports at all, anybody watch any sports? Football just started, right? Football just started, so a lot of sports. But if you watch, and if you have to watch any commercials, if you're not one of those people that DVR it and you just fast forward things, if you have to watch those commercials, like every other commercial is pushing some sort of medication. Have you noticed that? And those commercials are kind of like our announcements here. They're really long. It's, here's a medication that they're pushing for migraines. And it talks about the side effects. And the side effects are things like you can become depressed and you can have suicidal thoughts and you can have internal bleeding and it could lead to death. And I think I'm just going to hold, you know, st- I'm going to stand pat with my headaches. I don't want to deal with the consequences, the side effects of the medication, right? But here's what we do in our culture so often. We wait so long and we become so unhealthy, but by the time we make it to the doctor, we have no other options. The same thing happens in our relationships. We have people come in and the reason we counsel the most in the church, pastoral counseling, is related to marital issues. That's just without a doubt That's what consumes most of our time in counseling. And so before you guys get sick and before you come to us asking for a prescription and you're saying, please, please, please help us. Things are so difficult. Just tell us what we need to do. We're trying to tell you up front things in your lifestyle that you need to change in order to become more healthy. See, some of those issues that you go to the doctor with, maybe those could have been addressed If you had taken a step back and you said, you know what, let me take a look at my diet. Am I eating the right things? Am I living a healthy lifestyle? What is my sleep? What does my sleep pattern look like? Am I getting enough rest? Do I need to maybe cut out some stressors or some stress in my life? Am I exercising? Am I getting out and at least walking or getting my heart rate up? And maybe if we would change some of our lifestyle patterns, we wouldn't need to pop those pills. Do you understand what I'm saying? The same thing happens to us spiritually and in our relationships, right? What I want to do this morning is I want to head it off at the past. What we're trying to do as leadership is we're trying to say these are some tools that we can give you. These are some lifestyle pattern changes that you can make so that you don't get sick spiritually or in your relationships. This is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at this. It says this. All scripture is breathed or inspired by God and is profitable or useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And I'm so thankful that we don't have to pull out some sort of huge almanac of medicines or medications or some medical almanac in order to diagnose some issues that we have spiritually and relationally. All we have to do is open up God's word. And what the scripture says here is that God has inspired these writings, he's inspired these letters, and they're useful to teach us how to live our lives. 
So what all we want to do, our only desire as pastoral staff is to open up the word and to say, look, if you will apply these truths into your lives, if you'll take these tools that are within God's word and you'll start putting these in your tool belt and carry these around in your tool belt, when the time comes and the opportunity arises for you to maybe need to use one of these tools, you won't be in distress. You'll know exactly what to do so that you, this scripture says, so that you might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word equip means to furnish or to make adequate or to complete. We want you to have all of the tools you need to live a complete life. So what we're going to do this morning, this is going to have to do much with the way we resolve conflict in our marriages. Right? And I fear that in the midst of some of the ways we have chosen to resolve conflicts in the midst of the Christian church, as it relates especially to marriages, that we have lost our testimony in the community amongst the lost because of the way we choose to resolve these conflicts. So beginning, if you have your outlines, pull those out. If you're watching with us streaming from home, you can follow along on the church app. We want to make sure that you're able to participate as well. But your first point that we're going to look at here, and just again, by way of just warning right up front, we're going to be hopping around a lot in the scripture today, more like a Bible study than just like a sermon, so that we can glean from different portions of the scripture as it relates to how we maintain a testimony in a Christian marriage, and we are more effective in resolving our conflict and communicating with one another. So your first point here, the first point is that you need to learn to preserve your testimony. Jesus' final words to his disciples He said in Matthew chapter 28, I want you to go into all the world teaching people to observe all of the things that I've commanded you and you make disciples of all the nations. I want you to go throughout the world and I want you to teach people what I've taught you and I want you to show them what it looks like to live out those truths and I want you to show them what it looks like to follow me. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means someone who follows Christ. His final words. Now, if you were at the deathbed of a loved one, and you knew it was nearing the end, and they mustered up whatever strength they had to whisper in your ear their last words, would you not tune in? Would you not remember those words for the rest of your life? Well, in essence, Jesus has given us, the church, his final words. And here he says, what I want you to do, what I want you to live for, the purpose that I'm leaving you here is that you teach people to obey what I've taught you, And you show them what it looks like to follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to go out and I want you to be a testimony for me. He puts it a different way in the book of Acts. He says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. You'll be a witness. You'll testify. The word witness in the Greek is martis. It's where we get our word martyr from. It's someone who's willing to die for truth. What Jesus is saying there, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit is going to anoint you so that you can go out and you can be a witness for me. A witness in the court of law is someone who is called forth by either the prosecutor or the defense. And they're supposed to give an account, an eyewitness account, to the things that they have seen and the things that they have heard. In essence, with Jesus' last words, he says to you, the church... I want for you to give a testimony of the things you've seen from me and that you've heard from me and that you take that all across the world and you blast that throughout all of creation and you make that truth known. The church has been crippled in our effectiveness of being that testimony because of how marred the marriages in the church have become. 
How can we bear testimony to the goodness and the grandeur of God when we have broken relationships within the church? You know, it's, it's fitting in Acts chapter 4, the disciples, well, specifically Peter and John, they're pulled aside by the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees of those days, and they said, you can't preach this name Jesus any longer. Stop preaching about Jesus. We don't want to hear about it anymore. They beat them and said, stop preaching about Jesus. And they said, whether it's right for us to obey God or man, you have to decide. We know the last words that Jesus spoke to us. And his last words for us were, were for us to give a testimony. So we cannot but speak of the things which we have heard and we have seen. In essence, what they're saying is if you have to beat us for preaching, if you have to beat us for teaching, if you have to beat us for sharing the truth and the message of the gospel, then so be it. We can't do other than what Jesus has told us to do. Right? Amen. You can, pre you, you can clap for that. That's, that's a good word. And here's the thing. The enemy has beaten back the church in this area of relationships. He's robbed the church of our testimony. So the beating won't work. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make you feel ashamed of your own life so that you feel unfit to share that testimony. Does that word resound for anybody here? God's calling you to share this word, to share this truth, to give this gospel, to bear witness to this testimony, and you feel somewhere in the recesses of your heart, well, how can I possibly do that? Because I have relationships in my life that are fractured and that are broken, and I know that my life, my spiritual house is not in order. How can I possibly be of any use when I know I've got things that are wrong in my own life? And so many of you have been crippled in your testimony because you're buying that lie. This is what Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to be light. You're supposed to be a testimony. People are supposed to look to you for direction. You're supposed to bring a sense of flavor and preservation into people's lives. This is what you're called to be. But when those relationships are fractured, you hide your light. Your salt becomes useless, just wasted. See, this is why this is so important because in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is talking about the responsibilities of a husband and a wife. And he gets to the point and he says this. This is what I want you to understand, Paul says. This is what I want you to grasp from all of these details about what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife. He says, I'm speaking of a mystery. And this mystery is concerning Christ and the church. See, this whole idea of marriage, Paul says, it's meant to be an object lesson for the world of what Jesus' love for the church looks like and what the love and the surrender of the church should look like for Jesus, right? This is the purpose of our marriages. Our marriages are supposed to be a walking, living, breathing object lesson and testimony of the relationship that the church and Jesus have. But when we allow our relationships to be fractured, we lose that testimony. That testimony becomes marred 
it becomes broken. And when you look at that testimony and there's relationships that have been separated and there are marriages that are in shambles and there's unforgiveness in the house and there's no peace and there's no unity, it mars the image, the object lesson that God is trying to use to share with the world how much he loves the church. It's our responsibility to preserve that testimony to protect that at all costs, to say I'm not going to allow my emotions or my feelings to in some way thwart what God wants to share with the world. So I wonder this morning if that would be a convicting word for you. If you would say, man, my testimony has been marred because of the way I'm living with a person that I should love the most. Because of how my marriage is suffering. Now, so oftentimes, the way that the enemy really works his way into our marriages is through our communication, the way we communicate with one another. Again, I'm just trying to give you tools. So here's a tool I hope you put in your belt, okay? And let me say this too. I think it's important, you know, in jest, I asked if there's any perfect marriages here this morning. Let me say I am not the perfect husband. My wife is here. She's up there. Say hi. She's up there. And then my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are right up there with her, Right? So if you wonder, right, how good of a husband I am, they're here, you can ask them. I am not a perfect husband. I don't have all this stuff figured out. When I have to share these things with you, I have to take a long, hard look in the mirror. When I sit across from a couple that is struggling, I have to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, man, am I doing this myself? Because if I'm not doing this myself, I'm just a hypocrite. I am not a perfect husband. I am not a perfect man. I am not a perfect pastor. I am not a perfect Christian. But... I'm trying every day to become more and more like Jesus, even in the way I communicate, right? So here we say, the way that the enemy gets into our relationships, first and foremost, I believe it happens through our communication, through our lips. And we need to learn from time to time, if you're taking notes, to press our lips. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. Again, we're not going to park here for long, but we're going to park here for a little while. And we're going to look at the power of the tongue. And as we read this, I want you to really contemplate your heart for just a moment. And I want you to ask yourself, are there areas that I've become kind of deficient in my form of communication? Are my lips running wild? Have I lost control of my lips? Right? And so here in the book of James, James is addressing this member he calls the tongue. So look at in verse 2 of James chapter 3. It says, we all stumble in many ways. I'm grateful that James says that. James is the brother of Jesus who's writing this epistle. So look, we all stumble. We all stumble in many ways. I can relate. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. If you don't misspeak from time to time, then you're a perfect individual. Anyone in the room here ever regret something that they've said? then you're in good company. James is right there with you. This pastor right here, I'm right there with you. I'll regret something that I say by the end of the day today, I guarantee it, right? He says, if you can guard your lips to that point to where you can control it, you're a perfect man, able to control your whole body. Verse three, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds, yet they're guided by just a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. 
You can control a horse by putting a small bit in its mouth and you pull the reins back and forth and you decide direction of the horse. The whole vessel, a huge ship, is controlled by a rudder. You change a little piece of wood or a little piece of metal. It changes direction of the ship. The tongue does the same thing in our lives. Your lips will determine the course of your life. This is what James is. I'm not saying this. This is what the word of God says. If your relationships are fractured, if your relationships are suffering, it's because your lips are leading you astray somewhere. You've gone in the wrong direction. You've taken the horse off course. The ship is going in the wrong direction, right? So look at, he goes on, look at what he says here next. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Verse six, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Have you ever been to SeaWorld and see how they can train these enormous orcas to do what they ask, right? I mean, even those beasts can be tamed, but how many of you have been effective at being able to tame your tongue just yet? I know I haven't. It's like a, just a little member sets of course, this whole fire and things around you get destroyed and torn down and decayed and rotten and broken. Why? Because you set fire. You had a spark with your lips. You couldn't control your tongue well enough to make sure that that destruction around you wasn't reaped. Look at, he goes on here. He says this. This convicts me more than anything. You look at this, verse 9. Again, in context, here we are, we come and we fill the sanctuary and we lift our voices and we sing to the Lord and we say amen and hallelujah at the right time and we clap and we raise our hands. And then look at this, verse 9. With this tongue, we bless our Lord, our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and cursings, my brothers. These things ought not be so. Does a spring put forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That pond is either fresh or it's salty. That fig tree can only bear figs. It can't bear olives. Right? So the same thing. Why are we allowing our lips to bless God in one breath and then we leave the place and we're cursing the people we should love the most in those relationships, in that marital relationship, in that relationship with your parents, with your children? Why does that happen? How can the same spring bring forth both fresh and salty water? How is that even possible that we bless God in one breath and then we curse the person that we should love the most the next? There's a problem there. Do you see it? Now, look at this. I want you guys to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Keeping on this issue, this topic of the tongue. Bear in mind, right, there's a contrast here. How can your lips bring forth blessings and cursings? It's not possible. James says it shouldn't be that way. Look at this now. Proverbs chapter 12. Pick it up in verse 13. It says, an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. That the evil person is going to be trapped by what he says. His own words will trap him, but a righteous person 
escapes from trouble by tethering his lips, by guarding his lips. Right? Look at this, verse 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. Listen here very carefully. Verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. My brothers, how can out of the same mouth come both blessings and cursings? There is one rash man whose rash words are like sword thrusts that injure, that harm, but there is another man whose words bring healing and comfort. Who do you want to be? How do you want your words to be used? How do you want your lips to be used? I know how I want my lips to be used. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I want my words to bring healing and not harm. Those words that you speak within that relationship, within that trust of your marriage relationship, it's like a sword that is thrust. You can't pull that back. You can't unhear that word. You can't unfeel that hurt. Once the word leaves your tongue, your lips, you cannot pull it back. So if you're not confident that that word is going to bring healing, you need to hold your lips. Anyone's mother ever tell them, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it at all? Right? There's a lot of truth to that, right? Are your words being used as sword thrusts or are your words being used to heal? Harm or heal? Look at this contrast. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. This is what Paul says. He says, let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't let a corrupt word proceed from your mouth. That word corrupt in the Greek, it means decayed. It means rotten. It means harmful. Don't let rotten words come out of your mouth, words that are meant to bring harm or to hurt. Don't let that happen. That shouldn't be fitting amongst you as believers. That shouldn't be something that you allow to have happen. You shouldn't use your words to bring forth harm. Let no corrupt word come from your mouth. And then again, there's another contrast. Rather, make sure that your words are used for good, for building one another up, for strengthening one another for fortifying one another for building one another up so again are my words blessings or cursings or are my words being used for harm or for healing are my words being used to destroy or to build up and to strengthen and to encourage I wonder if you took a step back and you really looked in the mirror as it relates to that relationship that you have on your mind right now how have you been using your words I don't want you to think about your spouse and how they've been using their words or the person opposite that relationship that you're thinking about right now. I want you to think about how have your words been being used in that person's life. You have no control over the other person. You understand that, right? But you do have control over yourself. Now, here's what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 3 says that we should exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That word exhort is parakaleo in the Greek. It's the same root word that we get our word Holy Spirit from. 
a paraclete, someone who comes alongside of you, someone who comes alongside to encourage and to uplift and to say, you know what, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. You can handle this. You can do this. An encourager. The scripture says that we should be encouragers for one another in our relationships. So much so, the reason for this is so that our hearts wouldn't become hardened. That you almost are like participating in the role of the Holy Spirit in people's lives to encourage and uplift them. And I guarantee you there are some of you here this morning who when you think about your relationship back home, you know that you are not being a source of encouragement to someone. You're not. Rather, you're discouraging that person and you're constantly tearing them down and belittling them. And that is sin in the eyes of God. Let no corrupt word come out of my mouth except for what's going to build the person that is laying next to me up. I want to be like a source of strength for this person. I want to be someone that comes alongside of and puts my arm around them and says, you got this. You can do this. We can take that hill together to be that encourager. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.